1: Today on the podcast, let's break down a huge opportunity for Illinois football. Who enter Camp Randall Stadium three and one with their first undefeated non conference play since 2011, and they enter to play a team in Wisconsin that, for a second straight year, is off to. A bit of a struggling start as they're 2-2, and one in the Big Ten. Lost a surprise home game to Washington State, 17-14, a couple weeks ago. And then they just got shellacked at Ohio State. No one surprised Ohio State won, but they dominated that game. 28 points within the first 20 minutes for Ohio State. They are up 28 nothing, And it really just coasted to a victory, and it was 52-21. to And uh, I think the score might have been closer than the actual game was. So uh, Wisconsin feeling a little wounded. But the Badgers always very dangerous, especially to Illinois. The Badgers haven't lost a home game to Illinois since 2002. That was before Brett Bielma was even the head coach. And of course, we have the big storyline of Brett Bielma returning to Madison as a head coach for the first time since he surprisingly left the uh, Badgers back in 2012 after three straight Big Big Ten titles. And of course, he went to Arkansas for many reasons. Uh, one of those was his assistants get, didn't get paid well enough. He thought at Wisconsin and he thought he could win a national championship in the SEC did not work out for him. Things that worked out pretty well for Wisconsin is uh, Gary Anderson uh, maintained success for two years before Paul Chris came in. And Paul Chris, who is Brett Beam was former offensive coordinator, at Wisconsin, has done a good job. But uh, one of the things I found most interesting when i talked with jim polzer of the wisconsin state journal for today's podcast is the feelings about paul christ in madison and where the program with the badgers is right now over what i wouldn't call a couple down years but mediocre years uh, for wisconsin football in their relative recent history uh, dating back to Barry Alvarez and Brett Bielma. And of course, Paul Chris having a couple great years to start his tenure. Uh, then I talked with Joey Wagner about this matchup for Illinois perspective, what this game means. We kind of go over the last f- four games, what we've learned about Illinois, the surprises, some concerns moving forward. And then we get into the nitty gritty of this team as well in this game. Uh, as well. So, coming up next, Jim Polson gives us the state of the Badgers, what he thinks about this matchup against Illinois, and how he thinks Brett Bielmo will be received back in Madison ten years after leaving the Badgers. Jim Polson is up next on the Atlanta Inquirer podcast.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Let's get to know more about the Wisconsin Badgers who come into this game, home game against Illinois. Two and two, zero and one in the Big Ten—a slow start. Uh, but they had a slow start last year before a pretty good finish. Uh, and Jim Polzin going to let us know a little bit more about the Badgers. He's columnist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And Jim, let's just, let's just dive right into the, the big storyline here, shall we? Um... Brett Bielma, it's a great TV storyline, probably a lot of interest both sides of this, but 10 years after leaving, surprisingly, uh, after winning three Big Ten titles, he's coming back uh, to Madison. He said this will be the third time uh, since he left for Arkansas. What do you expect the reaction will be at Camp Randall Stadium?
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of time has passed. 10 years is a lot of time. Um, Wisconsin's program has essentially maintained – you know, success. It's not like they've fallen apart since he left. You know, so I don't think there's any hard feelings that way. Um it's a weird week because, you know, I think a majority of the focus this week is on that Ohio State game and how bad it got and and really kind of there's a lot of state of the program type questions I'm getting right now after that loss and the and the Washington state loss. So um, you know, the B storyline is not is not by any means a an afterthought, but I don't think it's as big as maybe it would have been if there weren't so many other things going on right now.
1: How do people look back at Bielema's years and how he left?
0: Yeah, I mean, the way he left was one thing. I think it got the, the it got even bigger um, a couple years later when Wisconsin lost to Arizona State and Jen Bielema sent the famous karma tweet. Um, I think that's when the hard feelings really got you know, bad. Um, when he left, you know, I think people were shocked. It was a weird, it was a weird run for Wisconsin because, it, you know, the three straight Rose Bowls, but had lost two of them. A lot of people around here thought they had underachieved to some degree in 2011. When you've got a quarterback like Russell Wilson and you, you know, you still lose three games. Um, so, I, you know, again, 10 years is we're going back a little bit, but right. I, I remember a lot of grumbling at that time that, you know, that it wasn't quite maximizing things even though they were winning you know titles and and going to the Rose Bowl um so I don't know that you know there's there's probably a good chunk of this fan base that wasn't all that sad to see him go you know you never like to be the one that gets broken up with for someone prettier right but um you know I I don't know that there was a lot of hard feelings that way like I said like I I think the thing that really set people off was the the Jen Bielema tweet and but again that's I think I think bygones are bygones, and, and here we are a decade
1: later. Yeah, and here we are a decade later where Wisconsin is still a really good program. Um, the most consistent in the Big Ten West. I know Iowa uh, is right there with them, but you mentioned it. Um, people are asking you about the state of the program in, in Wisconsin. Yeah. This is two years of, of, of slow starts. Um, so, so what are fans upset about other than just maybe not being a 10-win team, the Big Ten West champion?
0: an assortment of things you know washington state game there was penalties um and, and there seems to be too much of that if you if you kind of look back over these last really really it started you know 2020 was a bad season four and three covid really messed that year up the year before that they they went to the um they went to the rose bowl but they were you know six and zero at one point illinois went down to illinois and got beat in a really surprising loss got drilled by ohio state the next week um so you know, that, that's kind of a, you know, you can start really anywhere in terms of this rut is what I've been calling it. It's kind of a program rut. I and mean, you could go back as far as 2018, they were eight and five. Um, I think the, the, the consistent theme is that they're beating themselves a lot. and And that's something this program's never really done, or at least when it's been at its best, it's a program that doesn't beat itself. Um, And I think we've seen a little bit too much of that. Um, A few two losses to teams you don't think they're going to lose to. I mean, Washington State being one of them. Um, So it's, you know, it's just kind of the grumbling has gotten louder and louder. And, and, you know, after the Ohio State loss, again, like nobody thought they were going to go and beat Ohio State. Like nobody. Um, But for it to be 28 to nothing two minutes into the second quarter was an eye opener. And I I think people are kind of um, curious about the directions program and, and really who should be running it. That's interesting. Um, so Paul that's Chris sounds crazy, right? Yeah, yeah no, I mean crazy to someone outside of Madison, right? Exactly. But that yeah. that's
1: that's what happens. Like Illinois fans just say, "Get me to a bowl game every year, I'll be happy." And I say, "Well, at some point, you're going to want more than that." And Wisconsin fans are used to more than that. Um, so so Paul Chris has a new offensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, Jim Leonard will get into him a little bit. Like he's one of the most overqualified defensive coordinators in, in the country. Uh, but but what do you think is is holding them back from? You know, kind of owning the West because Northwestern's come up, Iowa's come up, you know, Minnesota this year, seems like people are taking advantage of
0: Wisconsin being still good, but not great. Yeah. I will say this. Um, I think part of it is if you even compare the Bielema and Chris eras, and I'm going to do that later this week. Um, there are teams that are much better than they were Minnesota being one of them. I mean, Minnesota now is much better than it was a decade ago. Um, if you look across the Big Ten, Ohio State now is – they were good 10 years ago, but Urban Meyer and, and Ryan Day have elevated that program to a new level. Michigan is better than they, it was 10 years ago. Indiana um, is better. So, I mean, there's like four programs that are legitimately much better, and, and I think you can make a case that some are um, a little bit better. So, I think the, the West has gotten better around Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin's elevated elevated like, like other teams have. So, I think that's part of it. Um, I mean, you always point to recruiting and quarterback play, right? I mean, a lot of people. I mean, you saw twenty twenty, Graham Mertz that opener. Everybody's like, "Yep, that's the guy. That's the four star guy that we've always wanted, and he's going to be the Messiah that we think he, he, you know, that we thought he was going to be." And then really, that's it it hasn't. It's gone the other way since then. So, I think anytime you struggle at quarterback, especially you know, not just not just quarterback, but offensively, they've really struggled. The offensive line um, has been has seen a drop off. I mean, we, we're used to some really good offensive lines around here and, and don't think we've had a really good one in, in, in quite a quite some time. So it's a lot of little things. It's not just one yep. thing. I don't think, um, it, in fact, the, the funny thing is people rag on Paul Chris as a recruiter. Um, if you go, if you believe in cr- recruiting rankings, 19, 1920 and 21 were three of the best classes in this, in this program's history. So that should be the base. That's, um, that's the the kind of the leaders of this team and 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 that's maybe why it's a little bit frustrating to wisconsin fans that you know that 2019 class sh- should have some stars in it and it's got starters but i don't know that any true stars have emerged yeah
1: they just seem a little bit more vulnerable like you said yeah. offensive line wise um you know, last year their linebackers were great. I'm not sure they are this year. So I'll dive into that. But let's start, let's go with Mertz because he looked yeah. like a Heisman contender in that pandemic, pandemic game. I remember it uh, vividly, um, just did the entire atmosphere of it. But uh, he just tore up Levy Smith's defense and, and really set the tone of what that season would be for Illinois. Uh, but I, I looked up the stats since then uh, against Power Five teams. He has 17 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. Um, so it, what what has been the Graham Mertz experience now in year three of him as a starter?
0: Yeah. I mean, the turn, like the one that the number stands out there is the 18 receptions and there's been some fumbles, lost fumbles in there too. I mean, it just, he really struggled to take care of the ball, which has been a trademark around here of, of, you know, that haven't been a lot of great quarterbacks other than Russell Wilson, but guys take care of the ball. They don't, they don't beat themselves. And that's been one big problem. I thought he had kind of turned a corner, Um, played really well the first three games this season Uh, even against Washington State that that loss I would not pin that on him Um, so to take a big step back against Ohio State and I understand Ohio State's probably gonna do that to a lot of teams but uh, you know that was somewhat discouraging because I thought I thought he had turned a corner and um, you know we'll see if he can bounce back from it Um, you know a lot of little things haven't helped him either you know he had His first year, John Budmeyer was the offensive coordinator and then quarterbacks, or excuse me, the quarterbacks coach. Um, Budmeyer left. Last year, Paul Chris went back and coached the quarterbacks. And this year, Bobby Ingram is is coaching the quarterbacks and leading the offense. So different voices, which probably doesn't help. There hasn't been a ton of continuity. Um, So that's one possible explanation. Uh, I don't know. You know, he's never really talked about this, but there is a tremendous amount of pressure on the guy because – of the expectations that greeted him when he got here, and, and I don't know if that's rattled him a little bit. Um, it comes off as a really confident guy, uh, but you know, at some point you've got to produce, and and he has just not done that consistently, and that's been the biggest problem.
1: It's still a good running attack. Um, Braylon Allen. Looks fantastic. He started it last year against Illinois, where they ran for 390 yards uh, against Illinois. Uh, you mentioned the offensive line. Like, how, how do these? How does Allen stack up against some of the running back greats they've had? And 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 what about this offensive line? How how do you think they're holding up right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, Allen. The interesting about Allen is he just wasn't. He came here. They thought he was going to play linebacker. I mean, he was a he was a safety in high school. That's kind of the initial projection for position wise, and then and then got, you know, came a line. They're like, oh, he's just too big. He can't be a safety. And so I think when when he signed that they thought he was going to be a linebacker and then had done – had played some running back in high school and, and then it just kind of took off last fall, and, and they really needed him. Like you mentioned that turnaround last year, a lot of that was because of him. He just – you know, he's he's a different type of guy, 6'2", 240. Um, it has got some good speed still, and, and, and I think he could – you know, I hesitate to put him in that Ron Dane – Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, um, that trio is kind of up there until proven otherwise. I think I think Braylon's kind of that next step, but he's only 18. He's only a sophomore, so there, there's plenty of time. Um, the offensive line is a tricky one. I mean, that you know, R- Joe Rudolph was the offensive line coach. He left after last season. I think it was probably good timing because I just think they needed a different voice. Um, they moved Bob Bostad over from linebackers coach to from inside linebackers coach to offensive line coach, and Bostad was one of their. You know, if you look back at some of the great lines in the 2010-2011 era, Bostad was the coach then. Um, he's got a great track record, and you know, I hesitate. He's four games into his second stint as offensive line coach, and I hesitate to pin this all on him um, because I do think some of it is just creating a culture, and 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 he does things a little bit differently than Joe Rudolph did, and I think that's going to take some time. What hasn't helped is injuries. I mean, they were without their two tackles last week against Ohio State. Um, Tanner Bordellini is started at right guard last week. He missed the first couple of games, uh, injured himself in, in camp. So they just haven't had continuity. And I think, you know, that group especially, five guys have to work as one, and we just haven't seen that. So I think that's something, you know, check – that's one of those check back in a month yeah. and, and see. Um, I think it has, still has a chance to be a decent line, but they need it to happen in a hurry.
1: Uh, right, tight end Clay Cundiff is out. Um, and uh, what does that mean for their passing attack? Because it seems like he was really coming on, and we know tight ends f- have crushed uh, Illinois uh, before Buma got here. But uh, it's kind of something that Illinois hasn't faced a lot yet this year is, is a good tight end. So what's that injury mean for them?
0: Yeah, it's a big loss. He was, you know, Clay Cundiff had made some plays, and, you know, Jake Ferguson was a was a fixture here in the lineup for four years, and, and that was kind of the, one of the question mark positions coming in and and Cundiff had solidified that to some degree. Um, The two guys that are going to play a lot are Hayden Rucci, who's more of a blocking back, catch the ball a little bit uh, when needed. And then Jack Eschenbach is the one that's really going to have to step up, which is the weird thing is like when Ferguson graduated, I I think people thought Eschenbach would be kind of the next in line um, and Cundiff kind of had passed him by. Uh, So this is a chance for Eschenbach to kind of step up. They really need that position to be good. Um, and then, you know, some young guys in that group, I just don't know if they're ready yet. It's 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 a little bit of an uncertain position. And that's, you know, talk about coaching changes. That's another one where Mickey Turner was the coach last year. They, they made him the recruiting coordinator. And now Chris Herring is the tight ends coach. Chris Herring has never coached tight ends, I, I think. He used to be the special teams coach. So it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge offensive staff this year. Um, interesting the way Paul Chris chose to kind of make some changes and and insert guys that had never really coached at that specific position. And and how much of that is contributing to these offensive woes early in the season? Don't know. Um, because these on offensive woes are kind of, they, they've been a two or three year thing.
1: Uh, we mentioned Jim Leonard. Uh, I'm amazed that guy is, is not a head coach somewhere. The NFL DC, he just loves it there. Huh? Yeah.
0: I mean, he, he's had chances to leave as a head coach. He turned down the Packers defensive coordinator position too. Yeah um you know and i just he's got three young boys uh family you know young family and loves it here um you know that there's i always get questions like you know is he the next head coach here and and i've been pretty consistent saying yes he is i don't know when that's going to be yeah um paul chris is 56 years old and, and who knows you know what his future holds um but leonard's had chances to leave and i just think it's going to take the it's going to take a perfect situation uh, a little bit like Greg guard and the basketball side. I mean, Greg, Greg had some opportunities, Mac and, and, and mid mid majors and um, just nothing was perfect. And it ended up working out well for him. Right. I mean, yeah. Bo retires, Greg gets a job and it's, you know, he's doing a solid job. Um, and I think Leonard is kind of in the same thing. He's not going to take a job just to take one. It's going to have to be absolutely perfect. And, and, you know, he's, he's got interest from, he's had a lot of interest from a lot of interesting um places and and has always said no
1: yeah i saw uh, bob osperson for the news gazette had um Barry Alvarez said that Josh Whitman called about somebody uh, before he mentioned (laughs) Bealman. I would imagine
0: that would be a bunch of money. That's kind of the yeah, that was kind of the word here.
1: Yeah, Ohio State's offense is otherworldly, Jim. Right? Like, I I mean, I think we knew they were going to be able to score uh, on Jim uh, in that defense. But do you take anything away from that defensive performance, or or is that an outlier for what has consistently been one of the best defenses in the country?
0: I, I think if you look back at at Wisconsin's success over the last five years defensively and i don't want to make it sound like i'm taking anything away from them but they they have done it in large part against some pretty average offenses right the big 10 west is not one of those league not one of those divisions that has a ton of um great offenses it's not the sec west and i and i so i think the numbers are kind of skewed a little bit by that um and when they've gone up against the ohio states of the world it's it's been much more difficult now now, jim leonard was saying earlier today like I, uh, an hour ago or so he brought up a good point is that in the past against ohio state um they've played them pretty strong early got tired out right they just run out of bodies and guys get tired it was the other way around on on saturday night it was ugly from the start and he thought guys were just kind of um trying to make caught up in the moment trying to do a little bit too much and and seeing ghosts as he put it yeah. um, so and i think not not completely shocking if you if you consider that they're return you know they're returning three only three starters they're replacing eight guys and and you know leo chanel and jack sanborn are playing in the nfl um they had some really experienced cornerbacks so not you know not not an ideal situation this year um they thought you know this has always been kind of a plug and play i just think it's going to take a little bit more time another guy i should mention hunter wolder safety who was not one of those returning starters, but a guy who was absolutely penciled in to be a starter. He got hurt earlier in the season and and is out. So, you know, just a lot of little things. But Ohio State's good. And 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 I expected it to be a really, really difficult task on Saturday night. Just didn't see it going touchdown, 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 touchdown right off the bat.
1: Well, Jim, uh, what do you think of this matchup with Illinois? A team that has looked more balanced, obviously way more competitive since that Wisconsin beatdown last year. Uh, a team that can throw the ball a little bit, but a a really good defense so far. Uh, What do you think about this matchup for Wisconsin? Obviously looking to to get back in the win column against a team they've dominated up in Madison.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the big difference last year you mentioned it is like, you know, you could, you didn't have to worry about the pass with Illinois and you could, you you really focus on the run. And when you can make a team one dimensional, it's just so much easier. They don't have that luxury this year. I mean, Illinois is, Illinois can do both. And and I look at this as a tough matchup. Like, I think it's going to be a touchdown-type game. Um, The one one X factor for me from a Wisconsin perspective is how do you respond to that Ohio State loss? And that can go one of two ways. I mean, that can be the the line-in-the-sand type game and, you know, you put together a great week of practice and and come out energized and and with a point to prove. Or – it can go the other way and it, it sticks with you. One loss can turn into two. And if, if you don't be careful, so I don't know, I mean, predicting that is anybody's guess. I'm, I'm just not can't get inside their, their minds right now. Um, there's a lot of negativity floating around outside the program. I don't know how much of that has infiltrated the, the locker room. And that's to me, that's, you know, a slow start when your old coaches in town on Saturday is going to bring out the, the boobirds birds and, could really make this an ugly atmosphere. So, um, you know, that's, that's one thing I'll be watching the first, you know, first 15 minutes and in, in, into the into halftime.
1: This is why I like catching up with you guys, Jim, because I didn't, I didn't understand the heat was that hot, um, for, for, for Paul, Chris. So like, how hot is it there?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Somebody asked me this week, like, cause I, I, in my column last week, Saturday night, I, you know, I, I just, I refused to use the word hot seat with him yeah. because Wisconsin's so different than a lot of places. Um, you know you, you you look at his record just in whole and he's 67 and 25 I think right I don't know what that winning percentage is but it's somewhere around seven 70 percent right Wisconsin's not going to fire someone who's won 70 percent of his games it's just it's it's that not that type of place and yet I do think if you're the athletic director Chris McIntosh and, and you know maybe some of the more influential people you at least have to take a look at that 67 and 25 and and break it down into how it got there I mean it was like 22 and four at one point, I want to say, I mean, I don't have that numbers in front of me, but you know, it's the last, the last four seasons are eight and five, 10 and four, four and three, nine and four, and then two and two. Right. So it's a lot of those losses have come since then. And again, like not to reiterate what I said earlier, but the league's gotten better around him. Um, that's fair. He's also lost a couple that you don't think he should at, at home to BYU and at home to Washington state. Um, and it just hasn't been a couple couple of recruiting classes in a row now that have been really shaky, so there just haven't been a lot of positive floating around this program. And and the tough thing is, and, and for me or for and I'm certainly not the one making the decision is is this rut um, something that you can get out of because it's happened before here, Jeremy. Like Brett Bielema's second year was nine and four, third year was seven and six, and and it was like the sky was falling around here. And then they got back to winning ten games, and then you know a couple Rose Bowls, and everything was all right. Barry Alvarez had a three-year run in the early two thousands where it was like seven and six, eight and six. You know, it was just it was a three-year run of mediocrity. Yeah. Um, he got out of that, so it's it's happened here before. And I think what you need to do is look at and say, is Paul Chris the guy that can get out of this rut? And again, like if I had my crystal ball, you know, I, I would use it. Uh, it's 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 really difficult, and and it's really for me as a reporter and, and kind of trying to stay subjective, it's it's hard not being stuck in the moment, Jeremy. Yeah. And the moment right now feels really bad because of what happened Saturday night, what happened, you know, two, All three right. weeks ago against Washington State. So you kind of got to let this play out, I think, and um, see how the rest of the season goes and then reevaluate.
1: Yeah. Uh, nine and seven over the last three years in Big Ten play, uh, which yeah. is that includes the COVID year, which I don't know, how to evaluate that but uh that is interesting when you, when you put it in the context there uh before i let you go jim obviously a lot of illinois basketball fans uh, that's, yeah. that's what they look forward to most uh wisconsin obviously has a, a an all-time great uh to replace in, in, in johnny davis but uh what are they expecting uh for wisconsin basketball who you know it's hard to project this big 10 that i don't think has any elite teams i don't know if it has yeah, no. many bad teams um it's hard to pick wisconsin high but it's just the program you give the benefit of the doubt, so uh do you think they'll be Wisconsin and over exceed expectations again
0: I, I mean if I find to if I had to make a prediction right now, I would say somewhere in the sixth seventh eighth place range yeah. um and I, I'm a little gun shy doing that, Jeremy because like last year I they were picked tenth right and I wasn't in that preseason poll, but I certainly didn't disagree with it. I thought that was completely fair because we didn't know what Johnny Davis was at that point right. um and then they completely exceeded expectations and and want to share the Big Ten title um I don't see quite that I think I think Johnny was um such a difference maker I'm not sure they have that I mean Chucky Hepburn's a really good player um uh Tyler Wall is a really good player the one guy I think that could make a huge difference in in their prospects is Stephen Crowell who's um, going to be a junior and that's typically when Wisconsin big men make the jump. Um, so if he can make a jump, then you've got three really good starters. Depth is an issue. Uh, you need some guys that haven't played much of a role to step into pretty big roles. And so that's the one thing you, you know, you always wonder about, but you know, if those three guys, the three guys I mentioned can be good. Um, I think this team is pretty solid. It's going to have to win differently. I, I just yeah. think they're gonna have to win low scoring games. It's going to be a little bit like the old Wisconsin teams. Um you know, pre-final four runs, that those type of teams where you're, yeah, you know, winning games in the low 60s and 50s, and it's going to be ugly at times. Um, but you know, I I think they can defensively. I think they can be really good.
1: Jim Bowles in Wisconsin State Journal. Jim, always appreciate the time, man. i will see you up in Madison on Saturday.
0: Yeah, good seeing you, Jeremy. Thanks a lot.
1: All right, Joey Wagner joining us now, and Joey, we got a big game against Wisconsin to preview here. We'll do our pick to click. I thought we both did well, but I will give you the win, uh, picking Pat Bryant. I had Isaiah Williams on offense. I don't think either of us won defense. You picked Calvin Avery, and I had Sidney Brown. Calvin, ha- Calvin, Hart. Calvin Hart. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I would probably go Sidney Brown over that, but I don't think either of those actually hit. Uh, but a little fun uh, going into Wisconsin. We'll talk about what we think about this matchup. But we're four games into the season. And even though we have one conference game in there, the Indiana loss that Illinois is still ruining to this day, uh, let's kind of recap the non-conference a little bit. And what do you think, Joey, was the best development for this team during non-conference play? Which is three and zero for the first time since 2011, and 93 to nine, they outscored their non-conference opponents.
2: Boy, I'm gonna feel stupid not saying something about defense, right? But I think it's—I I think the biggest development, Jeremy, has been. Tommy DeVito and the Illinois passing attack. I think we we came into this, Jeremy, thinking they were going to be good defensively. Well, there were some questions. We understood those. Maybe we would have expected a slight drop off, but I I mean I think this is that's not the biggest surprise or development to me. It's looking competent through the air. So and you can put the whole passing game, not just Tommy DeVito. Isaiah Williams looks like he's given you that that step forward still some ways to go there and pat bryant looks like he's that downfield guy so just a, the emergence of a passing game that looks like not the chase brown slash when he's healthy josh mccray show on the ground and you can move the ball through the air that's a big development this year and it's a big development come portal season in the off you know december january
1: yeah, for me the way I would kind of frame it, you're right. This is the best development for the team uh, because this season was all about Barry Loney and Tommy Tommy Devito, right? Like those are the the combination and I think they are such a good combination together. I think Tommy's a great fit for Barry and I think Barry is a good fit for Tommy. Um and I think together they they've built a competent, competitive passing attack that can help Illinois take another step offensively. And, and remember, they were just a couple of first downs from being seven win team last year. They're halfway to a bowl game already. I think this passing attack with the rushing attack and with a, could be an elite defense. Um, I think this team's going to win six games. I, I have a lot of confidence in that based on what we've seen. We thought they could do that with Barry Lonnie, but it's amazing how a different play caller, a different quarterback and, and just a different concepts uh, can help a team. We're seeing that, we've seen that with Ryan Walters on defense the last couple of years, but Barry Loney and Tommy DeVito, along with the receivers here in and, and tight ends, are, are definitely taking that step forward. Uh, another one I would say, Joey, down the list, um, maybe outside of Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph being absolutely dominant, is Isaiah Adams and Alex Palczewski. These are two guys that last December 1st, we did not know would be on this team. And, and Zy Chrysler I know is part of that as a starting guard, but Isaiah Adams is playing like a future pro. And the fact that Alex Poczeski is back and he is your best offensive lineman right now, like last year at this time or in December 1st, right? Mid-October when Brett Bealman made those comments about the offensive line that got him in hot water for whatever reason, like that is a huge development from a year ago That that you have, I think an okay Big Ten offensive line, but I thought you could have had a bad one. And I think they could get better as the season goes along as Chrysler, Adams, Pilstrom, this whole group, whether it's Pearl playing on the left side, they all get more experience. And the fact that you have a guy like Slaughter can come in and give you serviceable offensive line play. I don't know how they're going to perform against Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. These are huge tests ahead. But I think it has been great to see palceski look like maybe the best palceski of his career after the injury. And then Adams look like, your second best offensive lineman. That, that's a huge development for this team.
2: Yeah, I was actually – I wrote about Isaiah Adams yesterday, and I was yeah. looking through some of the PFF numbers. Uh, and, and Alex Valcheski, I think, is the fifth highest graded power five offensive lineman. I, it's, I think it's five. I mean, it's definitely top ten. I want to say it's fifth. And it's quiet, Jeremy. Yeah. It's quiet. I, I, I looked I as and take PFF grades for what you want to take them for. They're not all going to be hits. We don't certainly agree with all of them. But, Some of them I do, yeah. Uh, yeah, but w- I looked and I was like, man, this dude's got an elite grade. And I just, you don't, it, th- I guess that's just what you've come to know out of Alex Palczewski. He's like, oh, that's yeah. that's his area. But, dude, he's he's really come back. We didn't know if he was going to be a guard, Jeremy, in the yeah. offseason. <laughs> and he come back, comes back and he looks good. He feels as good as he has. He's been telling us that since the spring. We needed to see it in games. But, dude, he has been a really, really, really good offensive lineman. <laughs> I think looking at the PFF grades, they're they're great for for pressures, for
1: snaps and all that. And and I do think they're a good... Tool. Um, the quarterback passing numbers are really good. Those guys do really good work, but they ding guys for missed tackles and I think missed blocks of running back and fumbles and stuff. like They ding those guys a lot for that. Um, so it kind of overshadows some of the other stuff. Like Chase Brown should have a higher number than he has. Sydney Brown should have a higher number. Uh, Sydney Brown is the most wrong player in PFF history. <laughs> maybe, maybe, because uh, he missed a couple tackles, um, but there's a lot of other things he does extremely well. But I do think they get offensive line play pretty good. I think they're really good at that. So uh, Palczewski doing what he's doing, like he was a good run blocker last year, Joey, but I think his pass blocking is as good as we've seen in his career. So I think that tells you uh, he's pretty healthy. So that was uh, another development. It feels like we are overlooking the defense, but we did think they'd be good. Um, I guess the emergence of Gabe Ackes, not a huge surprise. We thought they, he could play at some point, but to have three sacks already, Um, We thought he and Alec Bryant could be in the starting mix and and maybe pass up Ezekiel Holmes. Happens an injury, uh, helps them do that. But uh, certainly the front, the defensive line, plus the outside linebackers, has been even better than I thought they would be.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there. And a lot of that we have to give credit to Calvin Avery. Yes. There There were several spots on this defense, most notably that we talked about with free safety, which I feel like Kendall Smith has found his way back there, CB2, uh, opposite Devin Witherspoon. I feel like Taz Nicholson has really found his way there. There were rough patches. You can go by, I mean, Indiana was a rough patch. Like, that's period. But Calvin Avery, we didn't know. And it was one of those, like, Rob Perry was such an unsung hero of what he did defensively, especially on I mean, the up front. And I thought, man, I don't know, Calvin's just not shown that consistently, And now he has. You're seeing the snap counts go up more, which is obviously some of that's a product of snap availability, right? I mean, being the number one guy, but just his consistent play. Like, I feel like that anchors Mm -hmm. so much. And then, I mean, you see the law firm, Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton have taken this step forward. It's like, oh my gosh, like they are game wreckers. They destroy things. Now, competition will pick up. I'm interested to see what level that continues in the Big Ten. But that defensive front, dude, has really turned into a – uh, a strength i mean uh, you see you i don't want to say it's a strength of the defense because you still have Sidney brown Quan martin devin witherspoon in the back and the, it's number, just, one, the it's, number
1: one pass efficiency defense <laughs>
2: it's it's really what they're able to get done up front especially with three of those positions being new players for the lack, most part seth coleman got some good run last year but it's it's been impressive jeremy uh
1: who's a surprise player so far uh, of this season
2: you know, we talked about this before we record and I thought I need to have a list. I didn't. I will say Calvin Avery is in that conversation for me because I think that position is not the most statistically profitable, I guess is the way to put it, but it matters when you have somebody and allows other things. And and I wondered a lot about that. I I think it's Calvin. As you talk, maybe I'll uh I'll circle back to somebody else. To me it's He's playing pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we always knew, like, hey, this is it, um, but do we have a lot of reason to believe? We saw some flashes in years past, but he's playing consistently well at nose guard. So his emergence, yeah, should not be overlooked. I think Taz Nicholson the last couple of weeks is is really emerging. Um, so it might be a surprise to me, given how well he played against Virginia especially uh he's got some big tests coming up that struggled against indiana um so we'll see but i think three out of his four games uh have been pretty good um i still think it's isaiah adams man like i I just think is he's playing at such a high level i expected him to be good i expect him to potentially be a top three offensive lineman on this team i did not expect him to be this good like he looks nfl good um you know i don't know if he's a guy that leaves after this year good but they might need more tape than that but i think the staff knows he's he's got that kind of potential if he continues to play this way over the next couple of weeks right like that's going to be hugely important for the couple strengths we're talking about defensive line defensive front can they hold up against these teams and then offensive line like it's been a nice development of of Palceski and and adams but can those guys hold up against wisconsin and Uh, Iowa, especially in their defensive fronts, but Minnesota's as well. So I I think those guys would would certainly be in that mix. Biggest, I think people want us to say Pat Bryant, but I think you and I knew he would have the potential to emerge just because he's talented. They needed him. Um, You know, Hightower the first couple weeks has has been great, but um, he's kind of more the three guy along with Casey Washington has moved down to the four, but I think we always knew Pat Bryant had the talent to do that, and he showed it in flashes last year. If he got better quarterback play, which he is, um, he could emerge. And he still had some some bad moments, right? The, the fumble, some drops, um, but but he certainly had a great game last week against Chattanooga. We'll see if that can continue against the best defensive backfield he's going to face all year.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, just his development. Complete's not the right word, but it it adds a layer to this offense that we just haven't seen. Uh, you still see, probably see... And you could say the same about Calvin Avery, about Isaiah. I see a little bit more when the competition ramps up. Like, that's kind of the weird caveat, Jeremy, I'm still coming back to. is like, Wyoming's played well since they left. Chattanooga's, they're a good FCS team, but they're an FCS team. Indiana, I mean, that's that's a loss that's going to stink terribly through November. And, and Virginia's a disaster. So, like, the, I still keep coming back to that. It's like You, you want to see what that looks like. That's kind of my hold up, right? And yeah. like thinking too far ahead. At, at the same time, they have
1: dominated those opponents, right? Yeah, like no in doubt. Indiana, no statistically doubt. they dominated and they just shot themselves in the foot and kudos Indiana for having a great last drive. You know, Wisconsin kind of lost a similar game or statistically they were better in Washington state, but they shot themselves in the foot way too many times with turnovers and penalties and all that. And they end up losing a game that they shouldn't have. So it happens to a lot of teams, but Illinois dominated those teams, so like that—that's the, the the side for Illinois. It's like, yeah, these teams aren't all that good, but then Wyoming wins three games. Um, Indiana, I, I don't think is good, but Virginia competes against Syracuse, so they're not good, but you dominated them. Uh, unlike a Syracuse team that was four zero
2: at this point. Yeah, that's, I mean that's a good point. You you do have if you're going to play these games and they're on the schedule, right? You got like you want to look. Dominating, I think there's a lot of points you think are still left on the board. Obviously, in the Indiana game, there's some. You can make the argument they left points on the board against Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and they left points on the board against Virginia. I think that's, you know, it didn't hurt them, but this obviously I think you want to – I keep thinking of like what Brad Underwood says. where He's like, we want to play these guys, you know, play the tough ones now so we don't get into March or whatever and not know what we are. But it, a little different here, but in the same sense, like you kind of want to get the – uh, the hiccups, yeah. if you can, get those out of the way. We don't know if they have, but they've had some of the hiccups. and we'll see if they can go away.
1: Uh, two concerns I have. Let's go to the main concerns that we have. Uh, one of my main concerns is red zone offense. This team is 122nd. As you said, they left points on the board. Um, another that I would say um, for, for Illinois at this point is special teams. Yeah. Um, Hugh Robertson has been really inconsistent. And sometimes bad, and has hurt you. And Indiana game was part of the reason I think you lost that game. Uh, and then Caleb Griffin, of course, has, has had his ups and downs with two bad games, maybe two good games. So the inconsistency there, especially when we get into these close games, it's part of the reason. Like, I'm do I pick them for an upset against Wisconsin or Iowa? I've said I think they're going to win one of those games. You got to start thinking about those little things, and there's some little things there with Illinois that are
2: concerned. Yeah, I'm with you. Special teams is that's a concern right now and, and Jeremy we knew it right and, and you know there is the one side where it's this has been Blake Hayes and James McCord they're really good uh, but at the same time it's college football you're not going to have them forever and, and I just feel like there's still some to be desired out there uh, in terms of the special teams to me red zone offense kind of goes hand in hand uh, like with off the interior of the offensive line uh, a, a little bit there's I like, I think Isaiah Adams, we, we've we talked about him. I think you're seeing Alex Pilstrom yeah. come along. I do wonder about that right guard spot, be it Jordan Slaughter, be it Zy Chrysler. Like that is still kind of the spot that you want to see develop a little bit more. And, and I think it's a big test as you get into seeing a Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, what the interior holds up against. But I And I think that just goes hand in hand with your red zone yeah. uh, concern for me. But that would probably – I don't know that I have – do you have concerns defensively? I mean, look, we should also say, Jimmy, like, broadly, if you're going to make a third, it's just depth, period, both yes. sides.
1: Yeah, that was going to be my last point here. Is if, if You've been – knock on wood, everybody listening to this, you've been pretty fortunate. Outside of Josh McCray and Ezekiel Holmes, and Ezekiel Holmes was one of those guys that, like, I hate to say this, but, like, if you had one defensive starter get hurt, like, you could handle that one uh, at outside linebacker a lot easier than other positions. If he was one of your top – three defensive linemen I think T-Rock can play solidly I've been I've liked him so far at nose guard uh and Rasan Wilkins certainly has experience so maybe not that spot but if Keith Randolph or Johnny Newton get hurt uh that that's a huge loss if one of those three top guys in the secondary get hurt that's a huge loss like if Isaiah Williams got hurt right or Chase Brown got hurt, or Tommy DeVito like I know a lot of teams can't lose their stars but like this team especially cannot lose its stars
2: yeah, 100%. Now, I'll say, like, yeah, you missed Josh McCray for some of those yes. non-con and, and circle Indiana, right? I think you win that game with Josh McCray, yeah. You do, but I also think you could flip side it and say he's not ruled out for the season. He's inching towards a return. and we, I think, Jeremy, maybe you and I think, I don't know that we'd be surprised if it was before the second bye week. It seems to be Brett Bielema's is flirting with telling us that but he also is pretty good at sending us down one road while he and someone else go down another road yeah
1: i don't know how much we should uh i think everything brett bioma says on a monday about injuries everyone should take with a huge grain of salt because it is proven it doesn't mean anything
2: is the next big milestone for us in understanding where josh mccray is if he's on the travel roster saturday yeah because if he's on the travel roster he's got to play well, he's, I mean, you're not putting him on there if you know 100% before you leave Champagne. he's not going to be able to go. Correct. That's just not how you, So I think that, to me, is the biggest next to understand. because, And this isn't just Brett Bielema. Coaches would probably rather give you their PIN number than injury reports sometimes. So, like, it's just you, you kind of learn to know where to look. And uh, to me, that's the next place to look is the travel w- roster. We'll try to get some information ahead of that. but I, But the point being, like, it's, you didn't lose him for the season. yeah. And if you can get him back in Big Ten play, that's a good sign. So, yeah, they I think they have been, outside of Ezekiel Holmes, pretty fortunate injury-wise through four games. Yeah, if you ask me defensively,
1: inside linebacker, is it a strength? I think it's solid. I, I don't think it's been bad. I think Tariq Barnes has played, as Tariq Barnes usually does, solidly. I think Isaac Darkangelo, after maybe a, a rough game against Wyoming, had a has had a really couple good games here. Um, and CJ Hart's been quiet. Again, we've brought this up multiple times. Like, how much do you take from a three quarter sample size? That hasn't translated. That hasn't translated. His number, his uh, snap numbers are pretty similar recently to Isaac Dar- Angelo. So at least you have three guys you know can be solid. At some point, they're probably going to have to make some big plays. And these next three weeks against opponents that like to use the tight end and play action and put you in run pass conflict. I think these that's these are games that these guys are going to get tested a little bit more and kind of more these finesse teams they've been going against. Um in Wyoming, let's remember, Wyoming ran for 182 yards. Um so Titus Swen's really good. They're physical. Chattanooga got some plays. Um, you know, they have a good running back too. So that'll be a big test against Wisconsin.
2: It will. I think uh the development of the outside linebackers since that Wyoming game it's probably important because yes. there are there times I, I know you pointed out in your film review, Jeremy, that they were crashing down pretty hard, which is uh please, no, thank you moving forward on that. But yeah, I think that's, that's what kind of makes it hard for these four games outside of just the competition. It's, it's been a lot of the same style and those styles generally are kind of outliers for what you're going to see in the West. So like that, yeah, I feel
1: more confident about when they play Purdue now given what's happened against sure. Virginia and against even Indiana. Like I, I think Indiana is a similar team to Purdue in that they need to throw the ball around a lot to have success, but defensively and running the ball, they're going to struggle.
2: Yeah. That, that's the thing. So it's just now that's what makes it hard for me to gauge this Wisconsin game is this is just different, man. And it's not oh. that Wisconsin is some, na- I mean, some freak show powerhouse. They're You know, they're vulnerable. I think that's the best way to put it with them is they're vulnerable, but what does it look like against just maybe not what you've seen for the first four weeks? Yeah, you don't want to get sucked down this hole of losing
1: to Ohio State, having um, you know, so many mistakes against Washington State, uh, and losing that one, and being like, oh, Wisconsin, they're done. Like this is this is all coming. Wisconsin coming to... is not done. Football, basketball, Wisconsin is never done. Because last year they started one and three, lost all those games to ranked opponents that were more talented than them. But then they came back and won what, 6 of their last 7 games or you know, 6 of their last 8 games. So they're still Wisconsin, but there's a little bit more vulnerability to them. Like you texted me this morning about how you got like a Minnesota feeling about this game. Like last year's Minnesota team is kind of how I would compare to this Wisconsin team. Because Wisconsin had a quarterback, or Minnesota had a quarterback last year in Tanner Morgan. He didn't have the best targets, but he's a veteran. You see it sometimes. He can make big plays. Um, But then there's other times it's like, what is he seeing out there? And the offensive system, at least that he was running last year with Minnesota, it's like, God, there's some issues there. Like, they need to get up to speed. Um, The only difference is, is, you know, Minnesota last year at this time lost their two top running backs, and Wisconsin has one of the best in the country in Braylon Allen. But their offensive line, like, Wisconsin's offensive line is not quite what it used to be. And while I will never doubt a Jim Leonard defense, like I think Illinois is going to struggle to score points against a Jim Leonard defense. They lost a lot of good players, man. Like a lot of good players, especially at linebacker. Jack Sanborn was an all-time great there. Leo Chanel was a third-round pick. Um, They had some good defensive backs who were in their final year of eligibility last year. And I'm not going to take too much from the the Ohio State game, but there were some moments – where Washington State, you know, could scheme things up and also just run at them. And I'm I'm wondering if Illinois can can actually have some success on the ground this year uh, with a guy like Chase Brown with some linebacker questions. And then you actually have somebody who could throw the ball. Like last year, I don't know what the heck Tony Peterson was doing. You're down 10 nothing, and they gave up on the run. They just gave up on the run. And I get it. They weren't having big days, but Chase Brown had like a 20-yard run at one point. Got to keep giving him carries. Got to give your best player some carries, and they struggle to get Isaiah Williams the ball. So I think those things are going to change. That's going to make this a a much more competitive game. I think Wisconsin should be favored, but I think this is going to be is a much more even matchup, and I think Illinois is going to have a chance to win on Saturday.
2: Yeah, 100% agree with you. I and and I think like I've been personally hung up on. Okay, this team went on the road to Indiana and did literally everything it possibly could. No. To leave there with the loss, Indiana still tried to say, "Hey, listen, you guys feel like can leave here with the win, it's okay." But then, so, I, so, like, part of me wants to see them be able to do it on the road against an opponent that's not—they're not a top ten team, but they're still Wisconsin, and they're still at Camp Randall. And like, there, there's a and lot it's still
1: a place that Illinois hasn't won since most of these guys, since before most of these guys were born.
2: Yeah, And so there's still all that. But the other part of me says, "Well, hell, they went into Penn State last year." And they won, and they went to Minneapolis, and they won. And there's still a lot of common pieces back with probably a better passing game and an offensive coordinator that can fit things around. Like, you could you could talk yourself into saying, well, they have won in Hardenburg, and they have. I mean, a lot of these guys have went into tough environments and won. But for whatever reason, I keep coming back to Indiana, and maybe it was just the first road game yeah. of the season, and those aren't particularly enjoyable for the road team a lot of the time. But this is—it's such a weird feeling, Jeremy. Because when was the last time that we legitimately had a conversation like, you know, Illinois? It's not unforeseen to think they could win this game. Like I—it's been some time against Wisconsin. Yeah, because Wisconsin yes, is just yes. so
1: reliable in what they do, and they—they they still could be. Like I can still see Wisconsin winning six Big Ten games here. Like I, I can still see them yeah. winning six of eight. This Especially is not an no obituary
2: for the Wisconsin football program. No, either.
1: but but they are more vulnerable than they have been in years past. And my biggest question is, can they stop the run? Can, can Illinois stop Braylon Allen? Because they just bulldozed Illinois last year.
0: You know, Grant, Grant Mertz
1: was terrible against Illinois last year. 10 of 19, 100 yards, an interception. And you got to make him beat you. And I expect Illinois to do what it's been doing, which is stack the box, uh, Sidney Brown will be around the line of scrimmage. And we're going to go man to man with Kendall Smith in that single high. And we're going to force Graham Mertz to throw into tight windows to beat us. And sometimes he can do that. Like he, that's, what's probably frustrating Wisconsin fans. Graham Mertz makes some throws that go, man, that guy, that's a four-star probably like, he makes some of these throws, probably like Brandon Peters. At times, uh, like, I was going to say, tell me where you've heard that. Before. It's, it's like, God, just, just consistency. But then there's throws he makes and it's just like, what, what is going on? And he's, over the last since that huge game against illinois he has 17 touchdowns and 18 interceptions against power five teams so that is that is a recipe that if you can get one or two interceptions force a fumble and and get two or three takeaways i think illinois has a real good chance uh, of winning that's how they won in 2019 right they had four takeaways jonathan taylor fumbled twice in that game Uh, But Wisconsin dominated most of the other action because they were able to run the ball. But Illinois was able to run the ball that game. So can Illinois run the ball against Wisconsin? Uh, Can they get 100 plus yards to make them care about Chase Brown? And, And can Tommy DeVito take advantage of that? But then also defensively, can you force Wisconsin to have to throw the ball? Into tight windows and make Graham Mertz beat you. And if he does, you tip your cap, right? If he can beat Quan Martin and and Devin Witherspoon and and Sidney Brown and all those guys and Taz Nicholson, say hey, yeah, good day. He had a good day, but that's the way they got to beat him. But can you can you stop Braylon now? Can you stop what I think is a weaker
2: offensive line than they've had? But it's still a Wisconsin offensive line. There's so many parallels, right? There's so many parallels to Illinois, and, and I, but I do think Illinois is more competent in throwing. Not competent, but they're probably just better equipped to move the ball through the air. I think they're more – which is weird. It's weird, weird to say that. All of this feels really weird, Jeremy. All of this is di- very strange. They're
1: starting to be more dynamic, right? Like, Illinois' offense yeah. is a little bit more dynamic. I mean, and that's, a, that's a another thing that's thrown in here is Wisconsin has a new offensive staff, basically. So, it's just another thing that's kind of like a, a red flag of like, hey, they've kind of struggled at times offensively here is – is this new offensive staff with Bobby Ingram former Bears wide as the offense coordinator, like, is he working? Like, is, is this an issue? Does this Or can they just bounce back and and come out with venom because they just got their butts kicked on national television by Ohio State? So I think it's a big test for Wisconsin. I think Illinois is still playing with house money going into this game. Um, so they should play loose. They seem to play well on the road. Um, you know, the last couple of years under Bielema. I think there's pressure on Wisconsin. I'm wondering how they handle that pressure.
2: Yeah, I think it's a fair point, which brings me to my question. When does the house money wear out? Uh if you lose this game. Because you gotta win. You gotta win one of these next three games, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, in an ideal world you get two. Sure. Uh, okay. I I think that's that's number one. I mean, if you don't get one you sh- You're three you and four in.
1: with games against yeah. Northwestern Nebraska, you have to win. And then you gotta steal one from
2: from Purdue or Michigan State or I don't know if Otherwise, comes. you might not spend Christmas in Detroit. Jimmy. That's right.
1: That's right.
2: Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I do. I, I'm interested to see how Wisconsin comes out because that was just embarrassing. And look, Ohio State is going to embarrass a hell of a lot of programs in, in this country. In this conference. Yeah, in this <laughs> conference, especially. Yeah. So like, it's not like I. You don't look if you're looking at that game like wow. Like don't it is wow, but like that. I don't know if that game tells you any more about Wisconsin than it does that, holy smokes, Ohio State's a freight train.
1: Yeah, you and I are terrible at predicting Illinois football games. I take <laughs> I, I take pride in that I'm pretty close, except for the COVID year on you know picking what the season will look like. And this year I picked a bully. I was six and six. I feel pretty good about that still. Um, but like I'm terrible at the individual games. Like I had Illinois beating Indiana, losing to Virginia. Well, like, Piper's really good at this. Like, Trotter's really good at this. Like, the, the game-to-game stuff. I said on the last podcast, I think Illinois is going to win one of the next two games, Wisconsin or Iowa. Every metric, Joey, tells me to pick Iowa because they can't score. Iowa's defense is really good. They score on defense. Their special team is pretty good. They're a train wreck offensively. So the smart thing for me to do would be to pick Iowa. But I am struggling with this game of what my prediction is going to be because I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I got more questions than I usually do about Wisconsin, and I feel better than I normally do about about Illinois because I think this defense is better than last year, and I think the offense is certainly more dynamic. Uh, But this is the biggest test to date for Illinois. right? Like This is by far the best overall team they've played, the most physical team team they've played, the best coach team they've played all year.
2: Yeah. To, to pull back the curtain. I think you and I both have our scores. Yeah. Like what we think this is going to look like. Yeah. I just don't know who to put in front. Yeah. Like, I have no I, idea. Because well, Wisconsin special team stinks too. Like
1: their kicker's not been good this year. I think a kicker's hurt for him as well. Like. <laughs> the part
2: that I get hung up with. Because like there's a big it. has got to come down to that... kickers, isn't it? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, that's a story that we haven't written. Caleb so kicker it up. That's an angle for us. The. Like, part of me wants to pick Illinois because I think it just – like, I can see it. I, I can see it. It makes sense.
1: And which, then right, which, when hey, I talk,
2: wait, wait, wait. You can
1: see it. Kudos to Brett Bielma for that. Year two, you can see a win at Wisconsin.
2: Yeah. And now, I, look, I'm not saying how likely I think it is, all right? But, like, you you don't just look at that and be like, no, thank you. Uh, that, that's a loss. The other part of me, when I talk myself and I get down that road and I think it through and I, I put this down in my mind, I think – you're really going to have him go to Camp Randall and win? Like, this is still Wisconsin. I was a sophomore I, in high school the last time that happened. I still, where was I? I must have been in seventh grade, Yeah, sixth grade, seventh grade. So, like, that's the other part. It's like. Listen to Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Is that what you listened to at that point? What? I don't even remember what stuff. 2002, that was still the chronic 2000, man. <laughs> listen to the Nelly CD. Oh, with me. Dr. Dre, Nellie, yeah. I was that was that. Uh yeah, that's the hard part. It's like there's still that perception that Wisconsin is Wisconsin. They, they're gonna win at home because Camp Randall's a really great atmosphere and Wisconsin's a good program. Yeah. And Illinois, I just have you seen enough in the last uh, don't make me mad, 16 games to think that like in game 17. That's going to happen. Like, that's honestly my holdup. And, and it just feels, it sounds stupid and it might be a lazy thought, but it's like there's still that mental hurdle there. For I re- me, I don't, I don't think they have that in the Smith Center. No, which
1: is kudos to them. Like, I, they go into every game expecting to win now, which is kudos uh, to Bioma. And I, I think this is just an incredibly well coached team.
2: Like, I really do. do you, go ahead. Do you remember? I'm glad you said that because I've been trying to place when this was the Virginia game. Do you remember at Virginia? Brett basically said, we teach them to do these things, and then the game happens and they freeze. Yeah. And, and then, do, do you remember that yes. line
1: of. Yeah, like he was like, oh, he realized at that point, it felt like after Virginia, like they went to that game and, and clearly didn't expect to compete or win. And that, that like took him back. Like you could tell he was like dazed after that game of like, I got a lot of work to do. Uh, to teach these guys confidence because we're good enough to compete in these games. And they figured that out. They were two and five going into Penn State, a top 10 team, and going and beat them. Uh, two and, and five. we got bulldozed by Wisconsin. Yes, the week before. Yeah. So, like, over the last year, it's been pretty impressive. They won four of their last seven Big Ten games, uh, or Power Five games, uh, I should say. And I think they're playing some of their best football now. So, yeah, man, it's like I, I think they're going to have a chance to win. But they got to play clean football. You can't turn it over like you did against Virginia, against Indiana. You can't have special teams issues crop up as much as they did. You can't have penalties, and those are things we've seen through four games. Um, and the red zone issues, like Barry Allen Jr.'s offense has been great twenty to twenty. Can they do it inside the red zone? You can't settle for field goals against Wisconsin um, because they're they're going to have opportunities, man. Like they're going to beat you sometimes. It's a good opponent. But I think it's going to be a fun matchup, man.
2: Yeah, and I, I, all that being said, I think the Chattanooga game played out exactly like you maybe would have hoped it could have gone scripted for Illinois. That I think they got some confidence and swagger in the passing game. I think they're feeling themselves a little bit there. I, and I, I don't know that there was ever a lack of it, but I think that was their best performance passing-wise of the season, which is what we exactly what we talked about and what we thought that was going to be important for them. I think the defense is feeling itself. I don't have any concern that the defense isn't on this absolute cloud right now playing really good ball. No, but I they're, think- they're going to give, they're going to give Illinois
1: for what the 12th, 13th straight game, a chance to win. Like even that Wisconsin game last year, they were getting bulldozed, but it was 10 to nothing at halftime. Like, You know what I mean? It could have been yeah, a different game yeah. if Tony Peterson would have found a way to get in the end zone of the first half or ever uh, in that game. Um, so yeah, I think this defense should be feeling itself like, you know Michael Hogan, who who did ask me questions for our our feedback for twenty four seven. Like he's like, is this an overlooked defense? I'm like, it shouldn't be, but the offense is the reason it is. But the last calendar year, this has been a defense on par um, with with some of the best in the Big Ten.
2: It has, and it's and again, it's. I do not want to put this? Because I always get so frustrated by the whole. National media doesn't notice narrative. Like I I I don't love that. Listen, if you were to beat Indiana,
1: national media would be paying attention to you. But this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity for Brett Biuma to go into his former place, win a game, and people will start talking about Illinois, and you have a primetime matchup against Iowa that if you beat Wisconsin, Iowa, Virginia, all in a row, kind of there with the power five teams, you will be receiving votes. I don't know if you'll be ranked but you have a pretty good chance of receiving votes and a chance of being ranked because Kansas is 4-0. And look at the attention they're getting. Illinois, if they were 4-0, I don't know if they'd be ranked, but they'd be starting to receive votes and they'd be getting more hype going into this game. Um, you can't have a lot of those slip-ups, but you got to have big moments like this. Uh, and if you start doing that, people are going to be like, oh, Prep like let's see what he's done. Oh, they beat Penn State, Minnesota last year. Now they beat
2: Virginia and, and Wisconsin and going into, like, oh, this is interesting. Let's see what they're doing. This is, to me, going into this, not coming out. Like, obviously, they had every headline coming out of the Penn State win. One, it was this bizarre nine overtime experience. You go in and you win there. Like, going in, this is probably the most headlineable or headline-generating game. Oh, this would be on SportsCenter. Like, even though Wisconsin's
1: not ranked, like, this is going to be not, like, one of the top games, probably, of highlights, but if Illinois wins this game, Bioma getting a win at Wisconsin – yeah. Like that, that's yeah. going to resonate with ESPN and, and all of these national places.
2: Yeah. And I think going in, you see that as a possibility, like they got a lot of headlines when they upset Wisconsin in 2019, Yeah, but I don't think we were talking about that as a possibility because Wisconsin came in to Memorial stadium average, allowing like two yards a game. It was an unbelievable defense. And of course it generated headlines. Of course, Penn Top state did. But I, but I think now you look at this, like going in, you're like, man, there's a Bielema angle. There's a four and one angle. There's the what the hell's wrong with Wisconsin angle, right? Like there's all of these. Like this is a very headlineable game yeah. that, that they could leave Madison with. And does that matter to like probably the day to day of their football operation? Probably not. Matters a lot when you're talking uh, who else is coming on board. Yes, right. You you want to get those headlines. But I just think there's a lot of potential to really for Brett Bielma for this Illinois program. Ryan Walters might be carried out on a chariot. <laughs> Uh uh-huh. and, and maybe right straight to Boulder. Like I, I think there's so much. You got fire the coach first for that. Oh sure, sure, bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I just think there's so much of that, Jeremy. That it's like yeah. man, it's a big opportunity. There, you can make a splash, and, and like oh dang, Bealman's got this thing rolling. I think a lot of people who see it and cover it day to day, or or pay pay more attention to the Big Ten, can see like, yeah, that's that's coming. And I think the theL still year too but man you can do a lot with this win and even if you lose close I think you're gonna to start to gain
1: more respect um obviously it's not a win and that, that's what you got to shoot for but even if you're close like I think other teams will realize man we got to worry about that team like you know
2: they're gonna have a chance I think to- I think teams think that now but I think yeah. you would have more outside. Yeah. Fan bases, be it national attention, like, but I, I think right now teams think yeah. you've got to worry about Illinois. All right, Joey, let's see the pick to click. Uh, yeah,
1: offensively, we could throw Chase Brown in here if you want against the Wisconsin defense. So, who's your pick to click offensively?
2: Oh, well, my Pat Bryant was an obvious win that you refused to give me, still, in in my full glory that I think I deserve that. No, I'll give
1: you, I'll give you Pat Bryant for last week, even though my guy Isaiah Williams made it a, a battle towards the end.
2: I want to say, oh, don't want to just take too many people here. Like, Julian Pearl feels like a good chance for me. Like, give me.
1: Like, what would we need to see out of Pearl to, to win that? Like, if I picked DeVito, yeah, 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 and yeah. like, would he need like a 75 or 80 PFF grade? Like, and he would win that over like a 220 yard, yeah, that's two thing. touchdowns yeah. from DeVito?
2: Yeah. It's hard to pick an offensive line because, like, when you see it, you know, like, well, how do you. How do you back that yeah. I'll take Tip Ryman. Dang man. it, yeah, eat it. Werner, no, give me Mike Marquez.
1: Let's go tight ends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Michael Marquez, touchdown goodbye, machine. Good, goodbye, Mike. As he's, as he's come to know around how I type it, yeah, I yeah, man, he's a fun story, Jeremy. He's a really fun story. This dude yeah. held out of the end zone forever, touchdowns what a story i like that we shied away from
1: devito and brown and just fully embraced the tight end thing like Illinois' tight ends outplay wisconsin's tight ends because their best one clay cundiff uh is out he's he's injured i think he had a a fracture in his leg uh and of course the jake ferguson era is over which is a good news for illinois Uh, did you
2: see him the other night on like monday night sunday or monday night football i think he's still (laughs) living in
1: lovey smith's nightmares
2: yeah. I see. I I don't remember who he plays for now. I wish I did. And I kept thinking, I wonder if they play the Texans. <laughs> this guy, he's
1: yeah, in. Love it.
2: Uh, he's in for it here. Uh, so we've got
1: Marques and Tip Ryman. I love it. I was going to go Ryman, but I'll I'll gladly take Marques. Uh defensively, who's your pick to click?
2: I think Devin Witherspoon comes up with a pick because I think Wisconsin is going to have to make some throws. I think, which, which is assuming that maybe Illinois. Maybe I'm giving Illinois too much credit and s- slowing down or making those throws happen. Yeah. I think Devin Witherspoon is the guy. I think I know who you're going to go with. Who do you think I'm going go with? Well, it would be a repeat of last week. Yeah. I just like I-, I just like Sidney Brown against quarterbacks that he can mess with a lot, and I think he can really mess with Graham Mertz. Yeah. You know what? Let me retalk myself into it. Unless you're you- Devin Witherspoon back on the table, Sidney Brown off the table. Okay. I got him. See, this is a tough one because I want to take a guy who doesn't
1: get stats. I think Calvin Avery is monstrous in this game. Joe Tippman is probably their best offensive lineman, or at least their most proven uh, at center, and they need a good day. They they need Calvin Avery to disrupt things, to allow your boy Sidney Brown, who's basically a linebacker, the linebackers, Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton. Um, so so Randolph and Newton, of course, are going to make the splash plays, Coleman, Akis, all that. But I think Calvin Avery just disrupting things and winning the point of attack is going to be so important because they were just bulldozed last year uh, on, the, on the line of scrimmage. So uh, I think he's going to be a huge part of this game. I don't know how I'd win it with this pick to click. Yeah, showing. I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> like, what, what do we need? Like, how- doesn't uh, doesn't PFF do like a stop grade? Yeah, but that's got to be a tackle. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody does disruptions. I don't think PFF does that. They do hurries and all that. Um, but...
2: If Can I, we just put could, it out? If, he, if I watch the, test, the film, right? and, yeah, if I watch the
1: film and I see him, like, A-plus game or PFF gives him, like, a 70-something, like, I think he's got to be in
2: contention there. So I, I think what you need to do is remember, on Monday, when you chat with Jay Layman, if yeah. we think it's a discussion... Yeah. Just And don't nudge him. Don't try to influence him, Jeremy. We don't need that crap. Just ask him if it was... If it was Calvin, if it was Sydney, if it comes down to it. I'll do it. I'll do it. All, All right. Do, do you know what you're predicting yet for this game? Shoot. You're going to make me do that here? No, man. I'm
1: not going to do it here. I,
2: I, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm going to pick for this game. Which I, I'll ta- I don't care. I'll put the score out there. I, I have the score. Yeah, I think it's 24-20. Okay. I had 2016,
1: so we both got four-point games. So we have Illinois covering.
2: That, that we know. That we know. Yeah, I I don't know which way it goes. Way. I, I don't know. And, and I know our picks are due here we, uh, pretty <laughs> We come back and Michael
1: Hogan is correct, 35-14, Wisconsin, and our board will have to apologize, but they won't. I love those They guys.
2: won't. I love them all. They're, they're, I do hope it, if it goes that way, I hope Michael Hogan – like the big bird D-X. kicks down the door. Comes in. comes <laughs> Degeneration X, everybody. Love it. I, I will say, I, I, you and I both think Mike does a really, really good yes. job covering Great Wisconsin. Point. I don't see that spread. I don't see 35 points against this Illinois defense.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I, I think I understand his points being made about exactly kind of a lot of what we talked about. I don't think I see that, but he, he does do a really good job up there. Yeah. All
1: right, Joey, uh, I'll see you up there on Saturday, man. should be an interesting atmosphere, that's for sure.
2: All right, I will have spotted cows Friday night in anticipation of your arrival. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you to Joey Wagner as always, and thank you to Jim Polzin from the Wisconsin State Journal uh, for their insight on this big matchup for the Illinois football program against Wisconsin. You know, Brett Bioma trying to do things this program hasn't done in a long time. Winning at Wisconsin would be $1 big statement. Thank you everybody for listening to the Iwana Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate when you take out 10 seconds and do that, it uh, helps us a lot. And give us a like, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Just search Alina inquire on YouTube and you get all the video content you want there. Uh, Alina Player, Coach Interviews, our podcasts, and we do some other fun stuff on there as well. So you can check us out on YouTube as well. And as always, you can go VIP, just $1 for your first month of VIP access. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the On Inquire podcast. Willie, do you want to say something? What do you want to say? <laughs> say, say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
2: Bye, everybody. Bye.
1: W, X, Y, and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you
2: sing with me?
1: Yay! (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh.
2: That's okay. I can fix it.